wanted to start off this year uh, just reviewing some basics about what what is it that God's given us to help us to navigate life, and particularly to navigate uh, this new year that is before us. And as January quickly uh, presses to a close, just we, we've been looking at just some resources that God's provided. The first is the owner's manual of the Bible, God's Word, and how to incorporate that into our lives to allow God to, to use that to help us to navigate. And the power of community, of being connected with others and how God uses us in each other's lives to help navigate life. And then last week we, we talked about the fact that we have this personal coach, this personal trainer, that if we are in Jesus Christ, we are sealed with God's Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, helping us to do life, helping us to navigate life well. And I want to talk this morning about the fourth, perhaps surprising tool or resource that God uses in our life. And that is that God uses problems, that God uses problems. And you know, I think Brian mentioned earlier that old, that old saying that all of God's children got problems, right? And my guess is every one of us in this room qualifies. We all have problems, whether they're relational or financial, whether they're physical or uh, just job-related or whatever it might be, that, that problems are just a part of life. And that's even been heightened even in our community just in the past couple weeks, hadn't it, as we've seen just the reality of evil, uh, the reality of pain and suffering, of shock and loss. You think about the death of a police officer, a horrific death of a young woman just a mile or so from here at the peach stand. And we realize we live in a broken world. A broken world that's full of pain and full of problems. And they don't always make sense to us. And I'm not going to suggest to you that we, we have easy answers. But I do want to suggest to you that perhaps God has a purpose that he's working out, even in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our problems. David Brooks, a columnist for the New York Times, a couple years ago, David wrote an article, What Suffering Does. He said, we live in a culture awash in talk about happiness. In one three-month period last year, more than 1,000 books were released on Amazon on the subject of happiness, just in case you were thinking of writing a book. Uh, you'll know the competition out there for that subject. But notice this phenomena, he writes. When people remember the past... They don't only talk about happiness. It is often the ordeals that seem most significant. Here's his line. People shoot for happiness, but feel formed through suffering. They shoot for happiness, but they feel formed through suffering. I like the way that John Ortberg talks about this. God is at work. Isn't at work, excuse me. God isn't at work producing the circumstances I want. God is at work in bad circumstances to produce the me he wants. Sit with that for just a moment. When we have pain, we have problems, almost as a reflex, we call out, fix it, remove it. Change the circumstances, quick. But what if? What if? God isn't as interested in 
producing the circumstances we want as to work in bad circumstances to produce the me he wants. One of the things that we find in Scripture is that God has a purpose that's bigger than our problems. That God has a purpose in my life and in yours that's bigger than any problem we'll encounter. And there's lots of of scriptural evidence and examples of that, and we're going to look at several this morning as we pass through quickly. But let me just begin with 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Paul is writing, uh, Paul, excuse me, Peter is writing, Peter is writing to some folks who are suffering. They're suffering uh, because not only do we live in a sin-scarred world, but very specifically, they're suffering as a follower of Jesus Christ. Their suffering is not lessened because they follow Christ. In fact, is in some instances, it is heightened. It is increased. Which, by the way, if you ever turn on the TV or listening to something online or getting a piece of literature or something, and they, they tell you something along the lines that, that if God is, is blessing you or if God, you're really walking with God or if you really belong to God, that your problems are going to disappear. It's just going to be uh, one good thing after another. Turn them off because they're not telling you the truth. This is what Peter said. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And then he goes on to talk about being insulted for the name of Christ and and, uh, why we should not be ashamed uh, but uh, to be glorify his name. And then verse 19 kind of he sums it up. Therefore... Let those who suffer, next, this next phrase, according to God's will. Could suffering at times be a part of God's will? Suffering according to God's will, what do you do? Entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Entrusting our soul begins with saying, God, I don't always understand it. God, I don't at first get it, but God, I'm going to trust that you have a purpose that's bigger than my problem. But the key to discovering it, the key to discovering it is learning how to ask the right questions. Sometimes we we ask the wrong questions, and if we ask the wrong questions, we'll always get the wrong answers, right? And so it's key for us to come back in the middle of problems, in the middle of pain, in the middle of suffering even, to, to, to ask the right questions. Questions that are based on the premise, the understanding, the belief that God is at work, that God has a purpose that's bigger than my problems. And so I want to just review with you four things that God might be up to four ways that God uses problems in my life and yours, and four questions that we can ask out of that. Now, as we've been doing in this series, we're just reviewing fundamentals. And so, as I've taught on some of these principles before, I want to just lift them back up to you again because they're so central to helping us fundamentally have some things in place that will help us to navigate life well. How might God
God use a problem in my life? One of the first ways we find in Scripture is that God uses problems to direct me. That God often will use a problem to direct me. Let me give you a couple of biblical examples of that. Old Testament. I've been reading through the, the, the Scripture again this year as I've tried to make a practice for many, many years now. And I've uh, been reading in just in recent days through uh, the last part of Genesis and Joseph and all that uh, t- took place in his life there. And what we find is that God used problems to direct Joseph. One quick snapshot of that. Joseph is unfairly accused of, of trying to uh, assault uh, Potiphar's wife. And because of that, he gets tossed into prison. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, but not just any prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. What was God doing? God used this problem. God used this unjust, unfair, untrue accusation to direct Joseph, to direct him into a place that would be catalytic for him getting into the presence of Pharaoh a few years later. God used this problem to direct him. Let me give you a New Testament example of that. Uh, some of you have been studying the, the book of Acts as you uh, have been uh, in, in one of our, our teaching uh, fellowship environments in an adult Bible fellowship. And in, in the book of Acts, they, they've been given this commission, Jesus said, to take the gospel around Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. But as we come to Acts 8, they haven't really moved out of Jerusalem. It's kind of like, hey, God's at work here. It's comfortable. We like this. We know this. It's exciting. We want to be a part of this. And so what does God do? He sends them a problem. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. That they hadn't yet moved out in obedience to what God told them to do. So God sent a problem to direct them, to direct them beyond the comfort zone of Jerusalem, out to Judea, out to Samaria, and it would continue on to the uttermost parts of the world. And so as we come understanding, hey, God might be using this problem to direct me, I begin to ask a different set of questions. I don't just say, God, why? What's going on? Why is this happening to me? It's not right. It's not fair. But I begin to ask things like, God, where is this problem leading me? Where is this problem leading me? Is it possible that God is using a problem to lead us somewhere? Where might God be leading me? He might be leading me geographically for sure. But let's please don't get locked into that. He might be leading me into a new way of thinking. Maybe that that God wants to stretch my mind, stretch my thinking, stretch my perspective. And so God may be using a problem to force me to think about life, to think about him and to, to think about reality. And we'll talk about some of those in just a minute a little bit differently. He may lead me into a new way of thinking. He may lead me into a new uh, way of approaching a situation. That, that I, I've been approaching this relationship. I've been approaching this problem. I've been approaching this, uh, this thing in my career. I've been uh, approaching this thing in our finances this way. And it's just not working. 
And maybe that God is going to use that problem to give me not only a new way of thinking, but a new way of approaching that relationship, a new way of approaching that problem, a new way of of dealing with that situation or that person or whatever it may be. So a new way of approaching a situation. God may be leading me through a problem to new people. To new people that, that a problem forces me to reach beyond the, the people I already know, the, the connections I already have, that I, I, I need information I don't have, I need wisdom that I don't have, and so I reach out to new people, I reach out to resources. God uses problems to open me up to, to new opportunities that I may have never considered before because I was comfortable. The problem disrupted me, the problem interrupted me, and, and so I began to be open to new opportunities. And so as God brings a problem into your life, don't get stuck saying, God, why me? Take it away. Fix it as quick as possible. But begin to ask a different set of questions. God, where are you leading me? Where are you leading me through this problem? But the second thing that we find in Scripture that God often does through problems is God uses problems to inspect me. God uses problems to inspect me. And again, there are many, many scriptural examples of this. In Deuteronomy 8, Deuteronomy is, is Moses kind of summing up uh, everything that he's poured into the life of these uh, Hebrew people, bringing them out of Egypt, all their wanderings in the wilderness. And he kind of begins to sum it up. And here are some of his, his observations about their time in the wilderness. Deuteronomy 8. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, now here's the next phrase, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now let me ask you a question. Did God need to know what was in their heart? He already knew. He already knew. Who needed to know what was in their heart? They did. They did. Problems have a way of revealing what's in our heart. New Testament, James, as he talks about problems, has some interesting counsel, counterintuitive to say the least. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the, there's that word again, testing. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I can choose joy even in the midst of trials of various kinds because I know that God, one of the things he's doing, he is testing. He is testing in the midst of that. When Isaiah was, was prompted by God's Spirit to record these words, he talked about the, this furnace of affliction. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. God, God draws on that imagery that, that someone would have heated up this metal to, to purify and extract the, the, the silver. And as a refiner's fire would, would work with silver, so affliction is the furnace that God takes us through at times to, to, to inspect us along the way. Someone said, you know, we're, we're a lot like tea bags, right? You don't know what's on the inside until you dunk us in hot water, right? And and there's some truth in that, right? There's some truth in that. That very often it's not until we're in times of testing, hot water moments, 
in the face of problems, that it begins to reveal what's on the inside. And that leads to the question, in the midst of a problem, I can ask, what does this problem reveal about me? What does this problem reveal about me? Sometimes a problem reveals pride, doesn't it? There's a pride issue at work. And I've covered it up, spiritualized it, but a problem reveals it. Sometimes a relational problem reveals selfishness, right? I was functioning on the surface. We were doing our thing. But this problem has revealed a a root of selfishness in the way that I'm relating. And on and on and on the list could go. Sometimes a problem reveals a heart of unbelief, a lack of trust in God. And you could perhaps add other things that God's revealed along the way, but you get the idea. God takes a problem and he tests and he reveals our heart. Maybe it's pride, maybe it's selfishness, maybe it's unbelief, maybe it's impatience, whatever it may be. But God uses a problem to inspect me. God uses problems to direct me. Where is this problem leading me? God uses problems to inspect me. What does this problem reveal about me? God uses problems to correct me, to correct me, to bring correction to bear in my life. Someone said life is a school and problems are the curriculum, right? And I'm going to keep having problems because God is going to continue to to teach me. God is going to continue to correct me. God is going to continue to guide me in this school of life. The psalmist understood that. That's why he wrote, it is good. Listen to this. It's good for me that I was afflicted. We rarely say that in the middle of it, do we? It was good for me that I was afflicted. Why? That I might learn your statutes. That I might learn that there is something about that affliction, there's something about that problem, there's suffering about, something about that suffering that, that opens me up, that makes me a whole lot more teachable than I am when everything is running smoothly. Hebrews uh, gives us that, that comparison of our heavenly father to our earthly father when it comes to the whole area of discipline. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. God is in the, in the business of taking things and, and disciplining us, correcting us along the way. Why? Because too often you and I aren't willing to face the truth about ourselves until we're forced to, right? We are not willing to face the truth about ourselves until we are forced to. That's why very often a a coach comes to the point of understanding uh, for their team, a loss is not a bad thing sometimes, right? A loss is not a bad thing. 
Because a loss makes his team a whole lot more coachable. (laughs) They'll start to pay attention a little bit more. Legendary basketball coach John Wooden said, one of the marks of maturity is you stop fixing the blame and you start facing the truth. You stop fixing the blame and you start facing the truth. Have you ever noticed a a, a little ones, three-year-olds? I got a three-year-old grandson. Ever notice how when something doesn't work, how quickly they can fix the blame? Stupid toy. Stupid dog. Stupid water. You know, (laughs) all these things, right? The blame is out there. Now, that's tolerable in a three-year-old. Not very attractive in a 33-year-old, right? And yet, you and I both know 33-year-olds and 43-year-olds and 50 and 60 and 73-year-olds who fix the blame instead of facing the truth. Sometimes God uses problems to force us to face the truth. And so the question out of this is, what is this problem teaching me? What is this problem teaching me? Hey, God, if you're using problem, one of the ways you use a problem is to correct me. What is this problem teaching me? And it could be about a wide variety of things. What is this problem teaching me about God? Uh, that God is so much bigger than I thought. Uh, that God, God works in ways that I don't fully understand. That, that my concept of God, I kind of had God in this box, and God will not be contained in a box. And so God uh, allows this problem to come into our life, and it kind of blows some of our categories wide open. And it stretches our understanding and aligns it more with God's revelation of himself in Scripture. And so God uses problems to teach us something about him. He uses problems to teach us something about ourselves, about ourselves. We face some things that we wouldn't have faced. We recognize some things we wouldn't have recognized. We're willing to deal with some things that I wouldn't have dealt with before. Because of a problem that God has allowed into my life. Sometimes God uses a problem to teach me about reality. About reality. You know, very often we want to we wanna deal with the world as we wish it was. Anybody can identify? Or we want to deal with the world as it used to be. Because in our mind it used to be so much better. But God uses problems to force us to deal with this is the world as it is. This is is reality. This is life in a sin-scarred world. And this is how you have to navigate it. I could give many, many examples. Let me just, one that that God's just kind of surfaced for me in recent uh, weeks and and, uh, kind of allowed me to even try to begin to speak this into some others' lives as he's teaching me about it. Uh, But one of the things about reality is there's a huge difference sometimes between intention and impact. Between intention and impact. There are times that we, we feel like, well, this is my intention. I, I intended to communicate this. I intended to do this. I, 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 this was my intention. Intentions are important. Motivation is important. But impact is huge, right? And, and you may say, well, I, I, I said this because this was my intention. That's good. 
but are you also willing to face whether you intended it or not? This was the impact. This was the impact of that word. This was the impact of those actions. Your intention was great, but your impact was different. And if you, you can spend time fixing the blame or you can face the truth. And so, God, what are you teaching me? What are you teaching me about not only my intention, but what are you teaching me about the impact of my words, the impact of my actions, the impact of, of what I have done or haven't done or how I habitually do it or don't do it? What my intention to hurt? Maybe I hurt. Wasn't my intention to make it worse? Maybe the impact made it worse. God, what are you teaching me through this problem? God uses problems to direct me, to inspect me, to correct me. But let me give you one more. God can use a problem in my life and yours to perfect me, to perfect me, to to bring me more and more in conformity with the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Romans 5, not only that. Paul wrote, but we rejoice in our sufferings. What is it with these New Testament writers, right? Peter, Paul, James, all of them. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God is using suffering to produce character qualities in us, endurance, character, hope, love. These things that God shapes into my life, God perfects in my life through the avenue of problems and pain. And so I begin to learn to ask again that different question, God, how can I grow from this problem? How can I grow from this problem? How how can I grow in understanding? How can I grow in capacity? How can I grow in my relationship with you or my relationship with others? God, how can I grow from this problem? So some of you are in in the realm of education and and, uh, maybe you you are familiar with the the work of of Carol Dweck. Uh, Carol's a researcher, professor, uh, not only has impacted the world of education, but but other worlds as well. She talks about her, her thoughts have been most uh, widely known through a book, Mindset. And she talks about the difference between a fixed and a growth mindset. Let me just uh, read to you uh, some of her studies. In one study, she took a group of 10-year-olds and gave them increasingly difficult math problems to see how they would handle failure. Most students got discouraged and depressed, but a few had a totally different response. One kid, in the face of failure, rubbed his hands together, smacked his lips, and said, I love a challenge. Ten years old. Another kid, failing one math problem after another, said, you know, I was hoping this would be informative. She writes, what's wrong with them? I always thought you coped with failure or you didn't cope with failure. I never thought that anyone loved failure. Were these alien children or were they on to something? And she realized, she realized as the research chased out, 
that human beings have at times two different, almost opposite mindsets about life. One of them called a fixed mindset that says, I'm fixed, my life is a fixed amount of gifts and talents, and my worth depends on how talented I am. And so my job, if I have a fixed mindset, is to try to continually convince everybody that I got it, whatever it is. On the other hand, there are those who have the growth mindset. People with a growth mindset believe that growth is always possible. That they, they have a commitment to grow. They embrace challenge and failure and problems are an indispensable part of the learning process. They don't have to fake it because they understand, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still developing. And that's part of the, of the mindset that we have to bring to a problem. Some of us encounter a problem and we, and we, we feel like it, it's fixed, it's unsolvable, I, can't, I can't, can't get around it, can't get over it, I'm just, this is it, I'm capped. Others say, I can grow. I can grow through this. I can become a different person. I can grow through this problem. You see, the circumstances that you're asking God to change may be the very circumstances that God is using to change you. Somebody needed to hear that this morning. The very circumstances, the very situation, the very relationship, the very problem that you are just crying out to God, fix it, change it, make it go away quick. Maybe. Maybe the very, 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 very same situation, relationship, circumstance, or problem that God is using to change you, to change you. You see, the real problem is not your problem. The real problem is your response to the problem. And we know, we know this intuitively, right? We know this. We, 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 we have experienced people in our life that they have, they have seemingly at times gone through a season of life hit with wave after wave after wave of problem. And they, they just continue with a, with a countenance of joy. They, they, instead, of, instead of getting broken down and worn down, they, they, they seem to grow stronger and more joyful have a larger heart, a larger mind as a result of it. Other folks we've experienced that seem to go through far less problems, but they don't get bigger. They get bitter. They, they, don't, they don't grow. They seem to shrink because the problem is not your real problem. The real problem is your response to the problem, the very problem that God may be trying to use to change you. Dr. Henry Cloud talks about when you encounter a negative event, you have to, some of us have to really work to train ourselves to avoid the three Ps. The three Ps. The first is personalize, second is permanence or permeate. And then our pervasive and then permanence. So personalize, pervasive, and permanence. Personalize, when we hit a situation, we, we, we begin to internalize it. We begin to, to say things like, I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. 
I'm always going to be this way. So we, we personalize it. And maybe you've done that. You know, you know some folks that have done that. Permeating or, or, or the, the, the pervasive, like saying everything is this way. So it's not just this one area of my life has this problem, but it begins to color the way that I look at all of life. And I begin to let that problem just kind of color the, the way. So I, I have a problem at work, and I bring it home, and, and, and it affects uh, my thinking and my finance and all these things. And I begin to just, just think it's, it's going to be, it's going to just be in everything. It's going to be pervasive. It's, it's going to cover everything. It's not just this one person doesn't like me, but all of my customers don't like me. All of my coworkers hate me. Right? So we begin to make it very pervasive. And then sometimes we, 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 we make it permanent. We don't see it just as a season, a stretch, a, a, a tough uphill leg in the run. But we think it's always going to be this way. It's never going to get better. This is how it's always going to be. When you bring those three Ps as part of your response to a problem, you don't grow. You get stuck. You begin to to wear down and oftentimes bring down other people with you. God says, ask a different question. How can I grow through this problem? How can I grow through this problem? Listen, I want you to remember just a few things, regardless of what you're going through right now, regardless of what you might go through in the future. God sees the problem. God sees the problem. He he already knows the problem. He knew it before you knew it. God sees the problem, and God cares about your problem. God cares about your problem. And and I'll just, you've heard me say this before, but it's just, it's been so impactful for me. When I begin to have those moments, and I have them like you have them, when those problems pile up, when they come too rapidly and too many, and you begin to think, God, do you know? He knows. When I begin to think, God, do you care? Run back to the cross. Run back to the cross. See Jesus with his arms wide open and remind yourself, he cared enough to give up the glories of heaven to come to earth. He cared enough to open up his arms on a cross and say, I love you this much. Whenever you doubt God's love, God's care, run back to the cross. I can know that he not only cares about my problem, but God has the problem, power to change your problem. The power to change your problem. When I doubt God's power, I run to creation and resurrection. Creation and resurrection. Isn't it amazing? The more we know about creation, the more we know about this world, the more we know about the universe, the more awe-inspiring it is. Whether on a macro level when you're talking about just the, the vastness of the universe, all the things that are out there, or whether it's on a, on a microscopic subatomic level, the more we know, the more awe-inspiring this creation is. What kind of power created that? The same kind of power 
that can call on the front end. They're going to die. They're going to lay in a tomb. And on the third day, they're going to be resurrected and deliver. I think if he can handle that problem, he can handle yours, don't you? Don't you? God has the power to change your problem. But never forget that God wants to change you through your problem. God wants to change you through your problem. So when we go back to Peter, and Peter says that we are to entrust our soul. Those who suffer according to God's will will entrust their souls. It means to look at God in this way. To understand that even if I'm in this problem, that God is at work and that God is far, far, far more interested in my character than my comfort. Let me take you back to the beginning, that John Ortberg quote. God isn't at work producing the circumstances I want. God is at work in bad circumstances to produce the me he wants. And I'll begin to experience that when I entrust my soul to God, knowing that he knows, he loves, he cares, his power is sufficient. He's more interested in my character than my comfort. And when I begin to ask the right questions. And so let me put it together. The next time you face a problem, ask, Lord, are you using this problem to direct me? Where is this problem leading me? Lord, are you using this problem to inspect me? What does this problem reveal about me. Lord, are you using this problem to correct me? What is this problem teaching me? God, are you using this problem to perfect me? How can I grow from this problem? Here's what I know. If you and I will entrust ourselves to God, If we will learn to ask the right questions, we'll discover that God has a purpose that's bigger than our problems. And I'll discern that purpose, and I'll become the me he created me to be. Let's go before the Lord in prayer together, please. Oh, Father, all God's children got problems. But we have a God who has a purpose that's greater than our problems. And so, Father, I, I just, I, I pray right now, I, I, I know a few peoples and a few situations and a few stories, and some at a surface level, some at a deeper level, but Father, is it just, we're all before you right now. You know us inside and out. You know our stories backwards and forwards. Nothing is hidden from your sight. You know not only what's going on, but you know what you're purposing to do in what's going on. And so, Father, I just pray right now, Lord, would you, in your grace, Would you in your kindness, would you in your love and power and authority help us to discover the purpose in our problems? Father, would you help us to become a little more the me that you created us to be? I'm just going to ask you right now to spend a moment or two just sitting before the Lord 
And for some of you, as you're sitting before the Lord, 